Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ. Another jam-packed episode of the Chris Johnston Show. A lot we got to get to in the NHL world, but uh, we have to talk about the Olympics. We have to talk about the weird uh, occurrence that occurred in the Canada versus Russia Olympic Committee game in women's hockey. Uh, the ROC, the second most popular uh, conglomerate to be known as the ROC. Uh, they were playing with masks. There's a whole story we can get into that, but what did you think of the fact that uh, – both teams were playing each other wearing N95 masks underneath their cages. That was just, that was weird. That was really weird. There's no other way to, to put it. Yeah. Well, producer Nick and I were talking before we started recording here. Like you don't even want to wear a mask on an airplane. Sometimes like, it starts to feel uncomfortable after a certain amount of time. Like I can't imagine doing strenuous exercise and, and dealing with the breathing. Uh, you know, obviously we're talking about high level athletes in Olympic caliber shape. So I'm sure they could handle it much better than we could, but, yeah, strange times, man. You know, and, and it's not really clear to me what went on. I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously some concern about, you know, the spread of COVID. I don't know if the, the tests that were done were inconclusive. Like, there's a bit of a vacuum of information on why this happened. You know, the game itself was delayed an hour or two, the start time, between the, the, the Canadian women's team and, and Russia. But, um, you know, just add it to the list. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like everything that's happened in the last two years, like there's so much, I mean, we have like, this feels like an alternate universe where we've entered. So like, it's just, you know, you're like, it's weird, but is it really that weird compared to everything else we've seen? Um, you know, Stanley cup bubbles and, um, you know, all that sort of thing. So, you know, good for the, the Canadian women for, for pulling out another win despite that. But, you know, this is, I guess if we want to look into it, this is part of what the NHL's concern was about going to Beijing. It's just once you're there, like there's no control. Like Hockey Canada doesn't control what happens. You know, it's it's the Beijing organizers and the International Olympic Committee, and, and there's a big set of protocols and rules. And if you test positive and all those types of things, and so you know, my guess is that, that this is some of what you have, you have to get comfortable, kind of not not having much say in your life uh, if you're over there in Beijing for the Olympics. But the fact that the Russian Olympic Committee, at least just off of reports that we had seen, uh, just the fact that they either had a delay or just flat out didn't submit their their COVID tests in time for the game. Like it just I don't know how that's supposed to fly. I don't know how that's supposed to make sense. 
we don't need to go into that too much longer, but like that just does not make any sense to me at all. And the fact that it had to get to a point where both teams were playing with masks. And I believe the Russian team at one point, like tried to not play with masks in the third period. It was just, I, I, I know I'm a little bit lost for words. It's just weird. Well, and if you're doing this testing, it's, it's daily testing at the Olympics. You know, if that is the case, and I, I don't obviously know that, like you wonder why the game's even played. Um, you know, this is how the world, you know, the world juniors started and stopped because they just got to a point where they kind of tried to play through it. And one or two players from the country were starting to get it. I know some referees got COVID and then they, they just couldn't control the spread. Now that was the height of Omicron. Um, you know, maybe we're, we're through that now. I'm not sure, but yeah, strange scenes. But as I say, just, just added to the list. Right now. At least. How about your weekend? You were in Las Vegas for the NHL All-Star game. You did the Twitter space with uh, the Toronto Star, and uh, a lot of people got questions in. Were you, like, walking through, like, the Vegas Strip as you were asking them? Like, why was it so noisy in your background? Yeah, I literally walked from anyone who knows Vegas up up at the Wynn Encore, uh, back down to the Cosmopolitan where I was staying. Like, it's probably just what with everything being windy, it was probably a 45-minute block, and it just happened to coincide with when the Twitter Spaces timeline was. You know, Ideally, sometimes you'd like to do that in a quieter place, but uh, I brought all these random people along for a walk along the strip, and like all of a sudden, like there's like a guy playing a saxophone beside me, or you know, <laughs> just like the normal chaos of Vegas. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. It was my first time doing the Twitter Spaces. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot of random, funny questions, um, but I think they're they're going to have me do it again, and yeah, Vegas itself was awesome. Like I, it was great. It was actually not. It was the first I've been to Vegas a ton for work over the years, um, but I've never been there when it was like it was like five degrees some morning, three degrees Celsius. It was not. It wasn't like hot, hot, um, which is not what I was expecting. But it was just it was fun to get out there. And honestly, you know, I don't know how this stuff plays on TV. I get the All Star Games itself. Really, there's not a lot compelling there um but the weekend was awesome like I, I sort of feel like the all-star game doesn't really matter but the weekend matters that's that makes sense like it's a real chance for people in the industry to get together sponsors and a lot of league business gets done there and then you know the players like the players to me looked like they had a great time and it was the first time julian you know really since the 2020 all-star game in st louis which was january you know not long before the COVID pause where I was at a big league event and we could like talk to the players face to face. And that was really cool um, to just sort of, it felt close to normal again, honestly. I mean, you know, obviously we're masked and the interviews themselves were sort of distanced. There was, you know, some ropes and things, but even afterwards, like some of the guys just hung around and chatted. And, um, I just got a sense that everyone, it was a bit of a relief maybe for some people, even on the players end of things um, to, to have it be a little bit more human and normal and, you know, it's Vegas. Like, I don't, I don't get the sense that like the whole league was getting Pete the board drunk uh, or anything like that. <laughs> I, I don't think like it was like this massive, wild, crazy, raging party. But I, I just, it's a, you know, like a lot of the guys brought their parents down, and you know, so Stephen Stamkos was there. There's Son Carter. Like, I'm sure he wasn't out clubbing, but like, there's just like a lot to do, right? It's fun. The shows. I know some people are going to shows and like probably like placing a few bets. It was, it was really relaxing and, and just, just a cool weekend all around. 
That's cool. What about the festivities themselves? Like, let's get into more details about that. Seeing the competitions, the games, before we get to the actual All-Star game itself, what did you think of some of the new stuff they added in and obviously like the traditional stuff like the Breakaway Challenge and the Safe Street? So a couple thoughts. What was interesting is that the NFL Pro Bowl was in Vegas this weekend as well. It was. You know, that, that game was played Sunday. What I found really interesting is you did you wouldn't know the NFL Pro Bowl was there if you didn't know. Like the NHL somehow managed to take over the strip way more than the NFL. Like I'm just saying, like you're walking along the strip or walking through a casino and you're seeing like Minnesota Wild jerseys and like like just all like fans from everywhere. The league you know shut down Las Vegas Boulevard to to pull off you know the the, the Blackjack 21 game and the one they did in the Bellagio Fountain. Um, you know, and while maybe those weren't like the greatest events I've ever seen, like, I just think they did a better job of kind of, you know, having a presence in a place where from an entertainment standpoint, it's difficult to have a presence because there is so many options. And so I actually found that quite interesting that the NHL managed to, you know, outdo the NFL. Now, let's call it as it is. The Super Bowl is in L.A. next weekend, this coming weekend. Like, that's the real big event for the NFL. So maybe the Pro Bowl, just they don't put the same energy into it the NHL did. But that stood out to me. I actually love the breakaway challenge and I know like some of it, like not everyone is Trevor's eagerness at the goal and some of it becomes a bit cringy or they, you just don't pull it off the way you want. But like, think about it. Like, like you got, you had an NHL player out there at a top hat doing a magic trick. And, and like, I actually like that with little Jack Hughes and then they throw the stick into the crowd like he did earlier in the year. Uh, the Zegers goal to me was, it's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like I thought it was amazing. Um, and for him, like, think about it in his shoes. Like, I know, obviously, he's super skilled, but he flew to Vegas just to do that event. And I know I know they rehearsed, they did rehearse those with the league ahead of time. It's so, like he got a bit of practice out there, but, like, he got one shot to do that. And he went one for one and, like, pulled off that, that moment. Like, I think that will be the clip that gets played in future years looking back because it was just such a spectacular move. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to stay. You know, it had been six years, I believe, five years. Since they last did that, they, they thought it would run its course. I think the younger players are comfortable showing their personality and doing things. They obviously have different levels of skill. Like, like I don't know how many NHLers can do what Zegers did. I mean, there'd be a few that could probably mimic that and, like, keep the puck on the end of his blade and make that move. But there would not be very many. That, that, that was insane. Um, so, you know, I thought that that was, for me, the best. That was the most entertained I was in the building. The building got going for it. You had somehow was it Paul Coffey that gave him a nine out of ten? Here's a, here's here's something I will I will I was gonna mention after you finish, but here's a big confession I have to make. So I watched the entirety of the All Star game. I like tried to follow the competition on Twitter, and this is important because for my next question, like I saw the Zegers thing how many times over? I I couldn't tell you what the judging was, but I saw that and I was led to believe that, okay, like, come on, there's nothing better that's going to beat that move. I was then told that Alex Petrangelo won, and to this point, I have not seen the attempt, I have not seen what he did, but everyone says it's bad. But he still won, because John Hand gave him a 19. Can you tell me what happened? Well, I, I can't tell you why that happened. I mean, the fix was in, I guess, for the Vegas guy. You know, no, but like guys. what Petrangelo did, like, I, I still want to know what he did. Like nobody shared that at all. Like it must've been like, like, like it must've been so bad that nobody wanted to, to do it, but it seemed as if it ruined what could have been a picture perfect event that should have crowned Zegers as champion. But I have not seen the Petrangelo attempt at all. 
here's my quibble. And like, I'm all, I remember we talked about the All-Star game going in. I'm all for like, let's not take this too seriously. But if there's one event where you should actually, where I wouldn't mind the judges taking it seriously, it would be that one because you're actually trying to reward the guys for, you know, like the dunk competition in the NBA is probably the closest, you know, comparable. Right. And like, I mm-hmm. let the players take that seriously. Like I know it's not life and death, but I just mean, Guys put work into, you know, involving their teammates and, you know, preparing for dunks. Like, I think that's ideally what you want for the NHL. And so then you can't give someone 19 out of 10 just because they they play for the team in the building, the, the event's being held. Um, you know, that's not Petrangelo's fault. He's just he's just there doing his thing too. But, like, I feel like that, that would be my one quibble. It's a very minor one. No one's going to remember who won that event. Like, it, you know – Let's face it. You're, you're doing these things for it's it's for the social media love, like like the the breakaway challenge. Like it's it's for the shares and the fact that no one shared that clip or you didn't see it. You know it says a lot. I mean, you, Trevor Zegers has won the event. Let's call it as it is. So um, yeah. hopefully maybe they can make that tweak. I think the NHL was really happy with it. They they found the players just way more willing to engage and try things. Um. And so I would expect we'll see it back. And and I think I actually think it has the potential, honestly, to be the coolest thing every year. Like I I don't watch the NBA All Star Game, but I usually try to catch the dunk competition if I can. Like, I think it's compelling. It's got I don't know. It just it's 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 endured for a long period of time too, right? It's it's been a regular part of that since like the eighties, I think. Like it's it's so I I actually believe the NHL because you're just going to have more and more skilled players they're going to grow up watching the Zegris move, right? Like this is the trickle down effect. Um, and, and want to be like, it, you know, it's like the way Connor McDavid wants to play at the Olympics for team Canada. Like part of that is because he watched Crosby score the golden goal. And like, he, you know, he wanted to be like Crosby. Like it, it's, it's, I think that, that this actually does have a lot of potential if the league leads into it. And, and part of that I would say is, you know, yeah, it's not so serious, but have some, some real voting so that the true winner gets crowned. This actually makes me think of a time uh i forget specifically which year but there was a year in the nba dunk contest where dwight howard uh it was like his first time doing it and the first and the dunk that he does he's like obviously like a big dude he like jumps to the top of the backboard taps it and then dunks the ball and then if you see it at in fast motion you're like well, what the hell did he do like you just tap the top the top of the backboard and then you notice there's like a very small sticker on top of that backboard and everyone's like wait a minute and but the judges never realized it so that was like a like a moment where everyone's like okay like we kind of got that wrong but then immediately after that dwight howard was invited back to the contest he puts on the superman cape and he ends up being a big part of the event going forward there's an opportunity for the nhl to do that with trevor zegris for sure and I think it's really cool. I didn't actually get a chance to talk to Zegris, but it's cool that he came. You know what I mean? Because the, so much of the narrative around the All-Star game, it actually didn't happen this year. Like, a couple guys missed it, but it's all due to, like, legitimate injuries. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't this, like, rash of players pulling out, you know, because they didn't want to be at the All-Star game. But that's always been kind of, you know, people point that out, that, that usually there's, like, six guys the day before that all of a sudden don't want to go. Like he wanted, like he could have been in Cabo or whatever, or, or wherever players spent that, you know, those few days that weren't part of the all-star festivities. And he came, came up and was part of it. And, and obviously I assume he had some fun and he's got buddies there, but I think it's cool. He was willing to do that. Like, I mean, look at, we don't have the, the mentality or we never had the skill of these guys, but think about it. Like I'd be kind of nervous. Like he doesn't have to bother with that. 
like dude's already been part of the two of the most memorable plays in this NHL season uh, with his sort of Michigan style goal and the Michigan assist or whatever you want to call it. Um, like he could have had a few days off work. He could have just come to Vegas on his own time. If he really wanted to go to Vegas, it didn't have to like, like, I think it's cool that he was willing to do it. And I just think more players are going to want, like, I really, I'm actually bullish on this thing. And it, it was, it was really neat in real time. It really was cool in the building because there was like an element of surprise and you could see the different players are trying different things. You have like the hangover theme and, and, you know, Vegas itself just offers a lot of kind of opportunities for prop comedy or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I really hope it's back. You know, they, I actually asked someone, they haven't decided yet, but I think that they're inclined, like their first instinct is to, to, to try it. I, I think you'll see some changes actually to the whole all-star format next season. I get the feeling there's maybe a little bit of a, you know, with new TV partners in the U S I think that there's like a desire to maybe go outside the box even more with the whole weekend. And so, you know, I, this year probably was a bit rushed just with COVID and everything. You know, there was some question at least a month or two ago, if this all-star game would go ahead um, at least a minor question, you know, hopefully by next year that isn't hanging over it. And they're going to South Florida. Like you can't tell me guys aren't going to want to go to South Florida for an all-star weekend. I think, I think, you know, you know, the, the league's doing some good things here with an event that, but by its nature, it's challenging to, to put too much buzz around. Uh, bring back the draft. Bring back the all-star draft if they're going to make changes for next year. Bring it back. It was really fun to watch people get picked on TV, and then Phil, Gessel, Phil Kessel gets taken last. And just, just bring that back. Whatever they do, just do that. You can keep what? the four teams if you want, but just bring back the draft. I loved it too. I think they were worried the guys were too drunk on TV doing it basically. <laughs> That's what we want. Well, the funny thing is about that. And, and maybe I've just like papered over with time. I don't remember anyone doing anything that bad. Like you could tell they were having fun and maybe it had a few drinks, but it wasn't like there was an incident. Um, and honestly, in today's sort of media climate, social media climate, like I think the more you can show your different sides of the players, the better. And I, I do really get the feeling, guys, like this weekend seemed fun. Like even some of the older players, like I'm thinking of Claude Giroux, and not just because he won the MVP, like he just looked like he was enjoying it. And like a dude's been, I think, to seven or eight all-star games, you know, it, he doesn't have to go there. But it, it's, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a hopeful frame of mind, but I actually feel like there's some, I feel like there's like the players, maybe something might be turning here, if, if especially if they change things up and make it fun. I heard they treated the players better. I think part of the new... CBA that was signed, the MOU um, coming out of the pandemic, like they, they got like, there, there's more allowances to bring family and friends in and business class flights. And like, I know it sounds small, but like, I think they're getting more of the red carpet treatment from, from the league for this. And, you know, that's good. That, that's just one more reason to want to go. Right. Like seemed like a lot of the guys threw down on private jets just based on like the Instagram stuff I saw from their teams. And so if you make it feel like a big deal too, like, you know, I, I think, some of that stuff goes a long way if, you know, in terms of the enjoyment for the individuals involved. Uh, this is just going to be a note for Adam Wilde and Steve Dangle here. Uh, please save enough money so we could have an SDPN jet that could fly us to uh, all-star games and drafts in the future. That would be fun because uh, I imagine flying on a PJ to certain events seems like a pretty cool idea. Why can't we do it? Just say. Well, just get say. this. We haven't even talked about the most important part of the weekend. Oh, I placed a right. bet. Oh, oh, you want to go there? You want to go there? You want to, you want to mention it? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Oh yeah. This is, this is for the content, but this is for the people. And right. so tell everyone about the bet. 
we discussed a little bit the last show and we didn't really, we didn't have a strong feeling about who to place our Stanley cup futures bet on, but there I am on Friday at the, the availability they had with like this big mass avail with everyone involved in the all-star weekend. And I'd actually asked Rod Brindamore how close I basically framed a question like, you know, from the outside, a lot of us are viewing your team as one of the handful of teams that could win the cup this year. Like, how do you view it from the inside? And, you know, and he gave a thoughtful answer um, just about how, like, he's like, I wouldn't bet against us, but you know, you can't ever be sure if it's going to be your year. Like we, we love our team, but, and then someone followed up and said, well, what about Florida? And he goes, well, they're the real juggernaut team for me. And I just thought, wow. Rod's, Rod's laying the J word on, on the Panthers. Like he's speaking my language for anyone who remembers the whole juggernaut saga of last season with myself. How can anyone forget the Canadians and ended up running a marathon in a juggernaut t-shirt to prove there was no. <laughs> uh, and so the minute Rod said that, I was like, I got to bet on the Panthers. So I placed oh a, a futures Stanley cup bet on behalf, on behalf of the CJ show on the Florida Panthers, a hundred bucks, pays 800 bucks and if uh if the panthers go on to win the cup we're gonna have a nice dinner out boys on uh on uh basically because rod brennermore spoke to spoke to me with that juggernaut quote i hope you know that if the florida panthers uh beat the toronto maple leafs in the first round of the playoffs you're gonna confuse a lot of fans they're either gonna be like really like excited because you curse them or really scared because what if you're right and you're normally right? Well, look at betting. Even when you do this for a living, like if I was like making a real bet with my, like I mean, it is my money, but like if I was like trying to win a lot of money, I wouldn't know who to bet on to win the cup right now. Like I could give you one of five teams. I think will win the cup with, with, with some degree of, I mean, certainty isn't the right word, but like with high degree of probability, but like picking which one of those, like, I guess if you were just going for a favorite, you're probably going Colorado right now. I think that's what you suggested. You know, but Colorado, like, I know they want to add players to the trade deadline. Like, they don't feel like they're a complete perfect team yet. And then you have factor in injuries and matchups. Um, yeah, I just went – I just feel like the juggernaut thing was – who knows? Maybe that's the universe telling us something. It would be hilarious if we won this bet. Um, I think I have to go back to the Cosmo in Las Vegas to cash it, so – might be a little oh. while before we get paid. Maybe you can mail it in. I don't know. I've never had this problem. I've never really placed a futures bet in a casino where you like literally have a ticket. I got a receipt. I got to like not yep. lose that receipt. Uh, and then I got to get back there if, if we're lucky enough to win it. Okay. So you heard it here first on the Chris Johnston show. The betting favorite for us, the one we pick to win the Stanley Cup. Hard. The Florida Panthers. That's the team we're picking. That team is the juggernaut. Uh, I don't, I'm excited. I don't think, I'm all for it. I don't think they've won a playoff series since 96. I mean, obviously they're, they're having a great they have not year, won. but they, they, they haven't even won a playoff series in a long time. I mean, in that, that way they're much like the Leafs, you know, 2004 is the last Leafs playoff series win, but um, you know, you got to break through eventually. You know, Chicago was putrid for a lot of years and then they had three cups in five years. And the first year they made the playoffs, they got to the Western Conference final with Kane and Taves. So like, it does happen. And, and the Panthers, I think we talked like it's, they're like one of my favorite teams to watch in the league. So I was also thinking that isn't the worst outcome if, if that ends up being what happens. Well, this next weekend, we're going to watch the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. At the beginning of the playoffs, they hadn't won a playoff game in like 31 years. And Joe Burrow could is on the verge of, of winning a national championship and a Super Bowl within like two, three years. 
could be this funny. You just triggered my mind. So the media day thing on Friday, like there's, there's a few oddball questions. This is an oddball, but a lot of players were asked about the Super Bowl. I didn't mm-hmm. hear one player give a prediction that anyone but Cincinnati would win. Like Cincinnati mm. has a lot of, they got a lot of love from NHL players there, Joe Burrow in particular. Um, and there was actually some dude asking really weird questions. Um, like he was having fun with it and some of the guys liked it, but he was asking questions like, which one of your teammates would you not let date your sister? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. He asked Austin Matthews in light of the, um, in light of the Super Bowl, he said, who would win in a fight? Um, 10 Tigers or a hundred Rams or something. Anyway, that was was funny. I think the NFL, I've never been to a Super Bowl, but like their media days full of that. Like people wear ridiculous costumes and ask like insane questions just to try to get at like, we didn't have full that, but it was actually, it added like something funny in addition to like, what do you think of the first half of your season to have someone asking all this, this, this oddball stuff? Yeah. I saw like the, the Gaudreau question. Like I saw that floating on Twitter and people were roasting it. I mean, obviously it was just a really creepy question. The Tigers one seems a lot more fun, but yeah, that Gaudreau question, I think Gaudreau was the player who was asked that question particularly. Maybe there was oh, he was asking everybody, man. Most of the people shut him down though. Like, he asked yeah. Austin Matthews when I was there, and Austin's like, uh, uh, no, like nothing. I think he asked Jack Campbell, too. Anyway. He was, anyway. That, he was throwing that at everybody. I just don't think he had many answers from anyone. Okay. Uh, two more questions about the All-Star game. Then I want to ask you stuff about the Bettman press conference, and then we'll eventually get to ask CJ. Um, I'll get to this one first. Uh, during the game itself, uh, just notice at the beginning, a lot of guys yawning, Pacific team, obviously, with their legs kind of dead. Uh, the games itself eventually got better, but, like, I don't know if putting games at noon standard time in Vegas is a good idea. Uh, am I wrong in that? You're not wrong, but it literally, it's a, pre- like, it, it was, it was necessary because the, all the players basically flew back Saturday night. Yeah. And so I think it was done literally just for travel purposes. Like NHL teams practice on Sunday, right? Um, Sunday afternoon, granted, but still, like players flew back from that thing Saturday night. When you go west east, which a lot of the, the league would have been doing, you lose time. Like you're getting in the middle of the night, you got to practice the next day, and then there's games played Monday night. So I think it was just for travel logistics that that was done. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get after myself in Vegas, so that, that wasn't a problem for me, but. I'm not going to name my media colleague, but someone sitting close to me in the press box. I, I just saw them on uh, like 11 o'clock local time, just you know, an hour before the game. I was like, oh, how was last night? And the person responded, I went to bed at 5 a.m. So it's like six hours later, they're in the, they're in the press box. Like, who knows how, I don't, anyway, I'm not outing anyone. It's, it's perfectly legal, but I wonder if a few of the players followed a similar uh, regimen to get ready for the game. Yeah, I, I wonder the same thing too. And uh, shout out to you for not outing that colleague. You know, there are well, some to be things fair, you can the reveal. colleague is much younger than me, and oh. you got to enjoy you got to enjoy your life too. If you're out here covering an event, why not? Got to have some fun. All right. Work hard, the work second question I have, oh, very much so. Uh, the second question, actually, I have two other ones. Um, I'll get to this one first. So Claude Giroux was All Star Game MVP. I'm curious. Uh, Cole Giroux having a really interesting year. This may very well be the last year he plays as a Philadelphia Flyer. I wonder if that game uh, may trigger stuff in a GM's mind, thinking, hey, you know what, he's he's doing pretty well. But also, I wonder 
and, and I'm sure you might not even know this, but wouldn't it be fun if like someone on a team that could acquire Claude Giroux kind of went up to him and was like, hey, man, you should consider coming to our team. You know, we can win a cup with us, you know, some recruiting. I mean, not tampering, I, obviously. That's that's not like, that's not a thing that happens. That's not tampering, though. Like if the player is doing it on his own volition, right? Like it's not like his GM went to him and said, hey, you know, you like I, I don't think it's tampering. I think if you're a player, you could say to another player. Like I can work at TSN and say to someone that works for another media company, like, Hey, you should come work for us. Like, it's not a job offer. It's just a, you know, it's just kind of like, we'd love to have you over here. We think you do a great job. You know, I'll um, think about it. It's funny. Steven Stamkos was asked the question just about Claude Giroux generally, like it wasn't aimed at his, and he even brought up, he's like, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him and all the rumors and stuff. Like, it's just funny. Like that's on people's minds, even in the sport. And so I, I, I'm willing to guess. I don't think we'll be able to ever verify this. That that somebody out there in the game was like, "Hey, what are you doing? Like, are you gonna?" Because you know, Claude, you know, controls the situation with a no move clause, and you know, I think given what he's meant to the Flyers, he's at 985 career games all with the Flyers. Like, he's almost at a thousand career games with one organization. You know, they're they're going to make sure he's treated properly in the process. And if he wants to move, they'll move him. If he doesn't want to move, I think they'll respect that too. So, yeah, I bet I bet there's a little recruiting going on or a little bit of just, you know, how do you feel about this or that? Um, Damkos also said, like, he'd love to see him go win somewhere, which I thought was interesting. Like, just like that that thought out for a player. I think, I think Claude, he gets a lot of respect because you can't really point to one thing he does, like, great, like, elite, but he gets it done. You know what I mean? Like, he – you look at like his points per game, like he's not that far below one point per game for his whole career. I think probably on point nine. And again, he doesn't have like an elite shot. He's not a particularly graceful skater. Just a lot of it is competitiveness and will. And, and, you know, I think, and you're right. He's, he's got 35 points, I think in 42 games or something like that. Like he's, he, he'll make a good deadline addition for someone if, if he does in fact move. Also, he's, been the captain of one of the premier NHL franchises, not just a premier franchise, a franchise known for being bullies. Like we're not talking about a guy who's a captain of the Arizona Coyotes here. If you play for the Philadelphia Flyers, you play a brand of hockey. You have to be tough to play there. I think you automatically earn anyone's respect if you've been a captain of the Philadelphia Flyers and you've been one as long as Claude Giroux has. Right. I I guess my only concern would be if you're trading for him is like what a shock to his system it's probably going to be if he does move and, and, you know, just so long in one organization, you know, you've gone through job changes. Like it, it can be weird when you go somewhere new and you just don't know how it works yet. And like, just not a lot of time if he doesn't get traded, say it'll really close to March 21st to get comfortable somewhere else. And so I, I would have some nerves about that, especially if you're giving up, you know, a big amount of assets for him, but you probably roll the dice, frankly, if, if you got a chance to get him, if he wants to come to your team, and, and you like the player. I mean, there's been lots of connections between him and Colorado already, um, which would be fascinating. You know, I don't know where he'd play in their lineup. If, if you maybe have him as more of a third line player uh, versus the, you know, their top six is pretty, pretty loaded. Not, not a lot of, not a lot of extra ice time to be found at the forward ranks. If you're an avalanche, you gotta be better than some of the very best players in the league. Um, but yeah, like that, that would be one concern for me. Uh, it's just, it's tough with rentals in general, right? Like some of them work out fabulously. Uh, some of them, it just doesn't, doesn't go, but 
you know, the, the, the allure of trying to win, the allure of making your team better is, is strong enough that we keep having a trade deadline show every year because lots of trades get made. Yep. March 21st for you on uh, TSN. I uh, will be watching and uh, so will the rest of the, so will many people in Canada and parts of the United States. Um, MGK performed at the all-star game. Did that do anything for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say no. (laughs) I I don't lie to our listeners. Um, Full disclosure at that point, I was writing my story because I had to file, you know, I had an earlier deadline with the time change. And so I didn't even watch it. I mean, I was in the building, but I didn't, I didn't pay any attention to it. I saw there's a photo of, of Connor McDavid floating around with him. Um, but no, I don't have any, you, you can share your deep thoughts. Like I know you're, you're up with the zeitgeist. You can, you can help us here. I was personally hoping you did because I watched it with my dad and that was like one of the few times I like, I'll watch something with like my parents and it'll be like, Oh, like, you know, normally I'll be like, Hey, like I know this artist, he has this song. He has that song. He has that song. I know, I know who MGK is, but I had no clue what any of his songs were. Cause he started off as a rapper and they start doing all this rock stuff. And I'm like, I don't know any of these songs. I don't, I'd have no clue. He, it looks cool though. He sounded cool. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I'm looking for, I'll watch the Super Bowl halftime show this week. Yeah. That show's going to be lit. good. That show's going to be lit. That show's going to be lit. Also, at some point, you need to provide like a Spotify playlist or something. I still can't get a read on what you listen to. I still cannot get a read on what you like. I'm all over the map, man. Like I like, I obviously like stuff from my era still, like 90s sort of grungy music a little bit. Like, I, But I'm not, I also listen to like freaking Taylor Swift and stuff. Like I, I like like new poppy music too. So I, I'm, I really am all over the map. When, when it comes to music, like I'm, I like when I, I drive around, I have my serious channel. Like I, I like the hits channel a little bit too. So, but then I don't know when I'm, I'm on the road right now. Right. Like I got a Bluetooth speaker. Like sometimes I'll just play like old tragically hip. Like I'm like, I literally am all over the map. It's just kind of like whatever my mood is that moment. You just let your, you just let everyone know that you are a Swifty. I don't know. I don't think you've realized what you've just done. CJ. That bad. It's I not bad. I, I don't think it's bad at all. Adele. I don't think it's bad. I'm loving Adele. Seriously, like I just, Woo. like she has a voice of an angel. She, I understand she's supposed to have a residency in Vegas, but she canceled it. Yeah, but I, I was like, like, yeah, like, I would have actually tried to figure out how to get tickets if that was going on while I was there. Yeah, her latest album is actually really good. But uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to know now uh, what the reaction will be uh, on Discord and other parts of Twitter when uh, it gets out that uh, Chris Johnston is a certified Taylor Swift fan. That's that's what it is, man. You're a Swifty. I get it. I understand. That's There's no fighting it anymore. She's inevitable. She's very I guess, I'm just saying I'm not like a music snob. Like, I'll, I, I'm open to kind of everything. Like, even like when I go to Nashville, for example, like, I love country music. Like, I didn't grow up listening to country music. I can't pretend to be like a huge country fan, but like, I like it in the right circumstances. So I just sort of feel like, I, there's nothing I'm not open to. Okay. Oh, now I want to know your favorite. Just, just, just so I know, because I'm not like a Swifty fan or nothing, but I'm just curious. Like, you got to let me know when you finish this. Your favorite Taylor Swift songs. We'll we'll get to that on a future episode or whatever. But like, I just would like to know just personally, just because I like music and all that stuff. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One last thing before we get to Ask CJ. Uh, We did talk about the fact that it was going to happen on our Thursday show, uh, but that Gary Bettman was going to speak during the All-Star weekend. And there was a lot he got to. Um, He did speak about the the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, Rocky Wirtz, the owner, uh, and his comments uh, with regards to the Kyle Beach situation. And we got to that on our last episode. I don't know if you got to watch the Steve Dangle podcast, but I think Steve... uh, was very good and how we sounded off on that whole issue. And if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, I believe the episode is called Rocky Words. You should listen to it right now because I think Steve, for about like five minutes, like he, he went in on the whole thing. And I think he provided some really good perspective on that. I was just curious from your standpoint, one, if you got to listen to that episode, but two, uh, what you thought about whatever Gary Bettman had to say about that situation. I just wasn't surprised, I guess, in the end. Um, you know, I think the league feels like it's done what it can. Like, what do I say? You know, I, There's nothing you can really say, I guess. I, I understand that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that – I guess I could hammer them over it, but, like, I I just they, – they obviously wanted it to go away. So, you know, and the guy's an owner of a team. Maybe something that people don't understand is that the power dynamic of the league is that Gary Batman works for the owners, essentially. Like if there ever came to a day where he was being removed from that job, literally, I, and I don't know off the top of my head, but there's a certain number of owners that could basically put a motion forward and agree and he could be fired. Um, so they're essentially his bosses in a roundabout way. The Words family has obviously owned the Blackhawks for a long time. I'm not excusing it, but I'm giving the context of why that might play out the way it did. In addition to just not wanting to put more fuel on that fire, that situation with a lot of eyeballs on the league. You know, what's interesting to me is what he did chose to put you know, fuel on the fire on was kind of the, if we want to call it an issue, but the, the COVID restrictions in Canada and the impact it's having on teams and the impact it might have on the draft in Montreal, like that, that, that was a clear theme to the commissioner's comments in his, in his media availability. Um, and you know, I'll show my cards. Like some of it, I actually agree with, like, you know, I think I've said, like, I don't, I really don't understand how in Ontario they went down to 500 fans, like from full buildings. Like I get there's a public health thing here, but you know, like there's, there's a picture going around, like there's like a Lowe's, I think in Ottawa where like more than 500 people can be in this big, like hardware store. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't feel it's very strange. Um, but these are strange times. Anyway, it was interesting that he like took a knock at that, that, you know, basically said that teams are looking to play in the U S 
It makes sense. Like there's a business cost to this. I'm not saying that should be put ahead of public health, but it's the debate is how much is public health being served by, by these fan restrictions. Um, so yeah, the, the Chicago situation, I guess it just sort of a little bit what I expected, you know, basically the Rocky works had a moment, had a, an outburst, but you know, I, I, the, the facts are kind of the facts there. Like I didn't ever get the sense he was reacting to the specific question asked. It was more the subject being raised and that that's where the problem that that was the root of the problem the whole time. It's like, you just felt like that wasn't a fair question, like fair subject matter when obviously it paints everything that happens that organization. So, um, it's been interesting too. The Blackhawks have started putting out who they're interviewing from GM candidates. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like literally announcing it on their Twitter feed, like with a headshot Not in the NHL and, and with a headshot and everything in a background on each candidate. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, man, tough, tough goal for the Blackhawks organization. And, and I still think they've, they've got to earn back a lot of public trust, like not related just to those Rocky words. Comments. I, I just think in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we didn't even mention the fact that uh, uh, just reading off of a tweet from Emily Kaplan from ESPN that uh, in November, uh, the team had fired a longtime head athletic trainer of their AHL team for sexual harassment. Like the fact that that story got out over the weekend, I think in a way, just adding more shit to the heap of shit that is on top of the Chicago Blackhawks right now. It's just you're right. There's there's a lot that they need to do to work back the trust of of NHL fans here. Like uh, I just think it's just a bit. It's just weird. Like I like you mentioned the GM search. Like I don't really care about who they're trying to get for the GM search. I, I was just trying to say it. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but NFL teams have started doing this where they post uh, like tweets about who they're interviewing for jobs. The, the, the Hawks, I think, are the first NHL team, NHL team I've seen done this. And even Rocky Wirtz tried to deflect away from some of those questions by saying, hey, ask us about the GM search. I don't really care that Chicago's trying to talk to Peter Shirelli about their job. There are so many other worse things people need to care about with this franchise. For I would just, my one thing I'd push back on that a little bit, though, is like, I, I can't say that I care tremendously either, in a sense, but it's, you know, they're rebuilding their front office, right? And, and, this person has to be part of whoever they end up hiring has to be part of that remaking of their organization to a certain degree. And so that's true. I, I think that's why the decision itself will be interesting. It might tell us something about how they're doing things. Um, but you know, it's hard to know who they're going to hire. That is true. The second thing I'll say, and we can put a bow on, on the Batman portion of this, the, the restrictions in Canada, I think we're slowly starting to see stuff being loosened. I would be stunned if it got to a point where the draft would be moved. Remember, this is a this is something that's going to be going down in July in the middle of summer for Canadian teams playing in the states. I don't know. I I I'm not partic- I'm not going to. I can't really say much on that. That might be a little bit closer, but I'd be stunned if it got to a point where the te- the NHL would have to move the draft again. That's just my take on things. But COVID is very unpredictable, as we know. Well, Montreal draft was supposed to be 2020, right? Yes. Yes. Like, obviously, they want to have a draft there. That's not the issue. It's just, you know, he mentioned that, they, you know, a ton of people come to the draft, like in normal times. Like, each team has, like, 30 chairs around their their tables, and there's going to be 32 tables on the ice surface or, the, the you know, the event level of the arena. Like, they just wouldn't hold a draft if you couldn't have that, like an in-person draft in Montreal, if that wasn't allowed. And then, obviously, they 
they want to have fans in the building too. So I would hope it didn't come to that, but you know, I, I don't think it's an empty threat, honestly. Like I do believe if the restrictions are such that everything's limited, that they'll just move it again. I mean, maybe Montreal 2023 becomes a thing. I don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I, I do think it's possible it's moved, but it's, it's really up to, I don't, what, what happens with the restrictions in Quebec and, I just hope we get beyond the restrictions. Like kind of my view is if, if you're, if you're really nervous about being in groups or in public, like you don't have to go to a game. Um, but sort of restricting the ability at all to go to a game, it just feels a bit performative to me. Like, is there evidence of like mass breakouts because at a hockey game, like I haven't, I've, I've never seen that if that's the case, like, Anyway, we're two years I don't know about I don't know about the COVID science, so I'm not gonna push back on that. I don't know. We're just two years into this and like I'm so yeah, I don't it's just I I get it. We're all we're all exasperated too. Well, but like some countries literally like the UK, they're just like no more no more mandates, no more like we're just gonna deal. I I feel like we just have to get comfortable living with it, is is sort of my point. I'm not I'm not a COVID denier. I, but I, but it feels like, it feels like completely preventing transmission is nearly impossible in, in the world today. That's, that's all. And so, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Let's get to ask CJ and uh, give, me away, be, give me away from really angering people. Yeah. Let's uh, get to COVID. Let's get away from COVID and let's talk about some of these questions for ask CJ. We're not going to get tired of those uh, from tweets we get from you guys and posts on discord as well. Uh, here's one from Trevor Hickey on Twitter. Who is most likely to be dealt from Toronto and who is likely to be dealt to Toronto? Oh, man. I mean, if I had that answer, I, I could just mail yeah. in the next seven weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that if most likely what the Leafs have to trade is obviously they would, they would, they would trade Nick Ritchie's contract if they could because they have cap issues. He's making two and a half million against cap. He's a healthy scratch at this point, not even in their top 13 or 12 forwards. And so they could use that cap space to do other things. Um, but I don't know if he's likely to be dealt because he'd probably be attached with a sweetener. You know, Travis Dermott and Justin Hall have both been made available at points this season to other teams. I think the Leafs would make those trades as a way to would make a trade involving one of those players as a way to just reallocate how the money spent again. It's not that those guys are that, that they feel they have to get rid of them. I think it's just about trying to creatively rebalance the team. And then, you know, they could move a prospect. Like I think that that's, that's possible. So whether that's someone like Nick Robertson uh, or some of their recent first round pick, like Rody and Amarov, who's, you know, not, not even going over to North America yet. You know, I think those are the types of guys likely to be dealt. I, I don't believe they're contemplating anything major, like, you know, one of their top nine forwards or anything like that. Um, you know, Toronto has to be creative. Like, they they don't have a ton of draft pick capital because they traded a lot of picks the last year's deadline. They don't have very much cap space. And so whatever deal they're going to make might involve some money going out. And I'd say it's those players that I, that I mentioned, you know, and who's coming back? Like, I, I think they're going to get a defenseman. I really do. Um, and I know that they're one of the teams that have been interested in Ben Sherratt. They're far from alone there, or they've at least inquired about him. Um, but, you know, the, we've talked about the defensive market. Like, I don't, I don't think they're, they're not focused on one player is the point. And, in fact, 
I think if they could control it, they'd like to get someone with term on their deal versus a pure rental. And so, you know, it's hard to handicap at this stage who that player is going to be, what it's going to look like. But that's, that's, I'm trying to illustrate their thinking with naming a few names and respecting the question, but I, I just, I don't have all that information right now either. If you did, uh, would you place a futures bet on that? Who would the Toronto yeah. Maple would trade? Damn right. I mean, I don't know if you can. I'd have to find some really creative site. But yeah, if I knew it, like I always said, if I knew who was going to win the games or if I knew who was going to win the cup, like why even work? Like I would just, I would just place those bets and then hang out in Vegas and, and have fun. I, you know, why, why even do the job? But um, that's a very good point. I, I really don't know who's going to win on any given night. Like hit up Dom Decision or some of these guys that seem to do a really good job with the betting and actually like have a, a model behind it because. I'm throwing darts at a dartboard when it comes to picking the Panthers win the cup. I think it might happen at this point, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. From how you drew in ninety-two on Twitter, who do you see as the next Montreal Canadiens captain? This is a funny question because I heard that Kent Hughes was asked, like, "Do you anticipate, like, are you going to have a no captain next year?" And I, and I guess he said something like, "Well, I, you know, I don't." Basically, he, I think he gave an answer that he was intending to be like, well, I'm not planning not to have a captain, but like, it's not like they have the guy in house. Right. Like right. it's just funny how these stories take on a life of their own with like one comment. There's like a slight misunderstanding between questioner and, and person who answered. And then it becomes a big story. I think it's likely there's no captain next year, honestly, not likely possible. Um, you know, the question is like, if, if Brendan Gallagher, state like if he wants to stay and he's sort of what he's indicated publicly is that's the case like maybe you go with him because I do think pretty heart and soul player he is on you know he's got a number of years left on his contract um you know if you're going the younger way I don't know you're looking at Nick Suzuki or something like that um you know my guess is it's going to be Gallagher if they have one next year um but you know that decision definitely isn't made even though I know there was a quote that kind of you know, spark this whole sort of discussion about the Canadians next captain. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about what that means for Shea Weber, if it gets to that point, but that's a whole other story in itself. His career is over. Right. And, you know, I think he's going to do work for Canada to do some work for the Canadians behind the scenes, or, you know, at least he has been, but you know, I, unfortunately I think he's done. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts? This is from Trevor Down 6 on Twitter. What are your thoughts on women's hockey in the Olympics and your thoughts on the opinion piece put out by the Toronto star about it, not belonging there? Well, it's an opinion piece. So someone has that opinion, but you know, my opinion is of course it should be uh, in the, in the Olympics and like everyone wants to rush to like have, you know, this has to be like, it would, yes, the sport would be better served if there was more teams that were evenly matched at the top of it like like that would be more compelling and produce more compelling games but if it should be there because you only get there by by having countries go and compete and and you know hopefully incentivize those those nations to put money into programs 
to developing more women's hockey players. Like, like it only happens if there's visibility on the sport and if this exists. And so you can go back, like it exists. I don't have the list in front of me, but there was a lot of lopsided men's hockey games at the Olympics, like in like 1920, 1930 and 1940, like before, you know, well before we got to today where now there are five or six countries that, that truly compete for a gold medal at that, that kind of best on best event. You know, I don't think the Canadian or U.S. women should be punished for, for getting really good at the sport, for, for devoting their life to it, to training year round um, and, and, and all the things that, that Hockey Canada and USA Hockey do to, to help them do that. I do think the onus should be on the other federations in other countries to do a better job developing players and, and making that happen. And, and I just think it takes time. I, I can't tell you in 2026 in Milan, it's going to be closer or 2030 or 2034, but I am pretty confident if, and, and it's going to like women's hockey is going to stay in the Olympics. I, I don't think there's a real discussion about it, if it being removed and there will be a point in time where the gap is narrowed and it's not just two powerhouse countries, you know, beating up on everyone else. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, from Rykald72 on Discord, what has happened to the Winnipeg Jets this season? Do you see them as sellers this deadline? And who do you think moves? I don't see them as sellers. Like, I, I think that they... Hmm. Like, they might sell a player, but I don't see... I don't, it's not like a... I don't think it's going to be a big rebuild or anything like that. I mean, look, tough, tough circumstances, right? I mean, they, they had their, their head coach step away mid-season. You know, I'm not blaming that for anything. But I, I think that they're just at a a difficult time where they've, they've gone so far with kind of a core. They've tried to augment it. I think that there's just, I think they're going to stick to that. I mean, look, they've signed a lot of players long-term. I don't think they're selling those guys, the guys with big contracts and big production. I, I don't have an, an easy answer for where they've got to, but I, it just doesn't feel to me like they're going to be massive sellers at the deadline. I mean, look, it's, it hasn't gone well. Mark Shifley's taking a lot of heat. I know here of late, right before the all-star break. Um, but they got to find it internally. Uh, it certainly looks like they're on their way to missing the playoffs, which you know, even back in December, I wouldn't have thought was where their season would end up. But I, I don't see like some massive, you know, amount of trades out the door. Um, I think that they're just going to tinker and, and give it a shot again. And I know sometimes when you're a fan, that gets frustrating. I mean, that's partially the similar conversation that's happened in Toronto is, you know, a team that hasn't been able to get over the hump of the playoffs and they kind of keep, bringing back the same core players, but it's because you believe in those players and it's hard to get those that are better to replace them. And so, you know, I don't think Winnipeg's at the point of a full sale, full sell mode, full rebuild, but, you know, clearly this has been a disappointing season for them. And, you know, we're going to see some changes in the off season. Final one for you, a food question in your travels on the beat. Do you have a favorite regional food in a certain team's market, like pizza in New York or hot chicken in Nashville? For example, this is from Ryan L977 on Discord. I'm going to go Nashville. I, I love barbecue there. Uh, in fact, there's a, a place called Martin's Barbecue, a short walk from Bridgestone's Arena. And, you know, most of the times I've ever been there to cover a game, I'll go there either, you know, usually between the morning skate and the game. Um, kind of one of my traditions. And so, and, and you know, I, been there with Arpan Basu a fair bit. I remember he bought a Martin's barbecue hat with a pig on it, which I love this hat. Um, but <laughs> uh, that, that's that's the one that, that most jumps to mind. There's a lot of good food around the league, though, man. Like, 
Um, I ate well in Vegas. I'll tell you that much. I bet yeah. you did. A few good restaurants in the Cosmo Hotel where I stayed, and I love that place. So, you know, I, I yeah, it's got to be barbecue in Nashville, though. Like that's one thing that stands. I guess you get it Raleigh too. Like also barbecue. Like yeah, actually, the Hurricanes again. I don't know what they're doing because I haven't been there in a couple of years in COVID times. But they used to have a really good pregame meal that often included uh, a nice barbecue sort of flavor to it. Um, but yeah, it's the Never Hungry League, brother. So we're. Uh, we're always finding somewhere to eat when we're on the road. I never thought of the NHL standing for Never Hungry League uh, until today. Thank you for putting that in my head. And of course, uh, another great CJ show in the books for this Monday. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. You missed my favorite Ask CJ response. Like I actually legit laughed out loud when I saw it. Wait, what? Someone on Twitter, and I, unfortunately I don't have his, his name handy, but he said, on a scale of one to Pete DeBoer, how hard did you get after it? <laughs> so, like, like, did dude get drunk, like, this weekend? Did I miss that? Like, I don't know. Like, what, what happened? So, on Sunday after the game, someone asked him, a, you know, he coached the Pacific Division, Pete DeBoer, Gold Knights coach. Um, you know, let's just call it as it is. Coaches have a punishing job. Like, I don't think he's, like, a big yeah. party. I think it's because it was the All-Star weekend. But someone asked him a thoughtful question, like, hey, coach, like, well, you were on the bench today because it isn't serious. Like, did you have a chance to look around and think about how cool it was that this was in Vegas? He goes, honestly, I, you know, I was hung over today. You know, full honesty, guys. And he's like, he's like, I couldn't focus. He's like, today was a fuzzy day. And then he goes, you know, I really appreciate the skills competition last night, though. Like, I was really dialed in on that. It was super cool. But he's like, today, I just couldn't focus. And so that was the, that's the reference to Pete DeBoer. He just, he just owned his hangover at the All-Star Game, which was pretty legendary. Okay, that I understand now. That, and I, I have the tweet from you in front of you now. Pete DeBoer said Pete DeBoer says he had trouble focusing on the All Star game because he's hungover. Today is a little bit foggy for me. Vegas, baby. Yeah, and he was great right. about it. He's having fun. Not but fine. like, I love that someone put that in the Ask CJ responses on Twitter. On a scale of one to Pete DeBoer, how hard did you get after it, Vegas? I think that was Nicholas Cakes who wrote that. If I, I think that's who that was. If I got that wrong, I'm sorry, but I believe he's the one who asked that question. So bonus ask CJ question. Uh, well, I know I'm not hungover because I didn't get to go to Vegas, but uh, maybe I'll get to go to South Florida next year. Maybe. Who knows? Put in the world, man. And, and the answer to that question is I had to work too much, so I didn't get – I didn't. I couldn't push to peak DeBoer's levels. I think I filed like 4,500 words in three days or something. So I had to – I mean, I'm not – look, at it. I wanted to do the work. It was fun. I had a great time, but – I didn't, I didn't get to Pete DeBoer levels of uh, excitement. Okay. All right. Well, at least you're honest about it at the very least, but there's more time for that later. I would have owned it too if I was playing hungover, but I wasn't. I I know you would have, and you still would have found a way to score three goals in 21 seconds. Who knows? Uh, Um, Yeah. New New episode coming on Thursday. Stick taps coming on Thursday. Uh, Check out uh, CJ's work in the Toronto star, obviously doing his thing for North star bets. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic. You can listen to this podcast ad-free if you listen to the podcast on The Athletic. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We will see you on Thursday. Go Panthers! The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.